This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Dear Leon, I said I'd write again when I knew more about the mystery I was pursuing. And for the second time in the last several months, I'm reminded that knowing more comes with a steep price. Finding my answer has quite literally trapped me in a cage. I've been allowed to write this letter after begging for permission from my captors. Beyond that, no further communication will be allowed, nor will I be able to return home unless I make an impossible choice. But first, there is something I must confess to you, Leon. Something I'm ashamed of. I told you in a previous letter that I have written to Nika. And I did. I wrote her a long letter that attempts to explain and apologize and beg forgiveness. But I have made an important realization in the time since I wrote it. I realize that I lack the courage to send it. I've waited too long to contact her. I fear I've already missed the window within which she might have forgiven me. And I can't bear the thought of coming up against that window, only to find it barred and locked. I, I know that I should have. I know that it was the right thing to do. But it has been so much easier to distract myself with mysteries with suspicious old men carrying secrets and guns. Do you remember the television special we watched as boys about the Skyjacker in 1971 who boarded Northwest Flight 305 Portland to Seattle? He claimed to be carrying a bomb, demanded $200,000, had the pilots land the plane, evacuated the passengers, received his ransom, returned to the air with a skeleton crew, and then parachuted into complete mystery, never to be heard from again? It's that latter part that always fascinated me. I had no concern about the money, which was something you obsessed over. The disorder of that missing finance possibly out of circulation forever. The bills were marked, you said, so it was only a matter of time. But I wanted to know how a man could dive into the sky after pulling off such an insanely dangerous stunt to never be seen again. How does a man everyone is looking for disappear? Where does he go? As you've no doubt realized, Darby is none other than the legendary D.B. Cooper, or Dan Cooper, as the name was meant to be reported. It's fascinating how easily mistakes can deepen a mystery, isn't it? Dan doesn't sound nearly as mysterious as D.B. What do both initials stand for? Combining them allows for infinite possibilities, while Dan is just... 
Dan. Imagine the hours people must have spent speculating over an erroneous report of an alias. After I found the stash of money, I decided to look for damning proof, something concrete I remembered from that old TV special. The one detail that stuck with me was the parachute DB used to escape. A military-grade chute, the perfect choice for someone jumping out of a plane, moving at the speed and altitude of Northwest 305. I was making my way to the parachute cupboard when the power in the entire compound went out. As I've written before, Alaska is dark in the winter, but saying dark doesn't do it justice, Leon. I'd become used to the constant fluorescence brightening the Fortress of Solitude. When they abruptly cut out, I briefly thought I had died, instantly entering an austere void. And that's when Darby turned the spotlight on, standing in one of his guard towers with a rifle pointed at my chest. Of course, I couldn't see this at first. My retinas burned from the cruel seesawing illumination to the point where I threw my hand up to shield them, my body crumpling back into the cold, hard earth. Darby spoke into a megaphone, asking me where I thought I was going. I saw no reason to lie. It was clear I'd been discovered. Irritating a man brandishing a weapon with complete untruths didn't seem wise. I told him I was looking for a 1971-era military-grade parachute. Wouldn't find it in there, he told me calmly. Things saved my life. You could say I'm quite attached to it. Use it as a bedsheet now. At this point, Darby proposed we play a simple game. We take turns asking curious questions and receive honest answers. I saw no harm in this exchange. The more questions we asked of each other, the longer I might go without a bullet in my chest. I learned Darby was a paratrooper in the Korean War and a member of the 10th Corps, one of the 20,000 Marines who fought in the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir. On the retreat back from the Chosin, he developed frostbite from the negative 30 below temperatures that claimed two of his toes. He was honorably discharged shortly after, then worked as a salesman for a while in a department store selling hunting gear. In the 60s, he quit the salesman gig and moved to a rural farming commune, making barrels to store and ship grains for his fellow hippies, a trade he'd learned from an old army buddy. He hated the government's response to the growing conflict in Vietnam. He'd become bitter about his involvement in Korea, and imagined a lot of the soldiers fighting in Vietnam felt the same way. As the 60s neared completion, the members of the commune slowly drifted away. Alone and angry, Darby planned the heist of the century as some kind of retaliation. He planned it for years. He planned every detail, and he actually pulled it off. Only, he didn't know what to do with the money. He stuck around in a hideout in northern Washington, waiting for things to cool down. He eventually realized he was given marked bills, very easy to track. He hunted, fixed up his hideout, and waited. For nine years. In 1980, he took a short trip south and buried some of the money in a place he thought it'd be found, along the banks of the Columbia, a test to see if the money was still in the system, if his legend still resonated. Sure enough, a young boy found it, and interest in finding D.B. Cooper reached an all-time high. That's when Darby crossed into Canada and never looked back, moving north until he'd found the compound. He settled down, working at his coopering trade, and dreamt of all the ways he'd spend that money if he could. I asked him why he'd rescued me. 
He could have just let me drown up there, and it certainly didn't seem like he welcomed many visitors. So, why me? He took a long time to answer. Well, I took one look at that crazy flare you sent up, and I said, there's a fellow who's got himself a story. And I'm guessing it's the kind of story he's never had the chance to tell anyone else. He asked me questions about Atlantis, listening intently. Eventually, he even lowered his rifle while descending the watchtower. In the end, Darby told me the worst part about what he'd done wasn't that he couldn't spend any of the money. It was that he couldn't tell anyone about it. They were all out there looking for him, some wondering if he'd even survived the jump. He pulled off the crime of the century, but nobody knew it was him. Nobody knew what he'd done. They knew what D.B. Cooper had done, but nobody knew who D.B. Cooper was. I told him he still had time to tell people, but Darby shook his head. It's your choice now. My choice to what? I asked him. He stuffed a stack of bills into my hand and pushed me hard. I fell backwards, arms flailing into one of his barrels. Before I knew what had happened, he'd covered the top and hammered it down. It's your choice to tell someone my story. And with that, he hauled me onto the parachute gun and launched me into the sky. I thought this may be his cruel way of killing me, keeping me in suspense as I hurtled through the air, waiting for that dreaded feeling of decline. I had no idea if Darby had attached a parachute to this barrel or not. But then, I heard the chute bloom from the top of the barrel, and I sailed to the ground safely. The landing wasn't the gentlest, and I certainly received some scrapes and bruises, but all in all, it was a surreally pleasant experience. I walked in the dark a half mile towards the lights of Valdez, which has a small airport. Of course, I had no money of my own, no passport, and no documentation. I'd foolishly left that behind in the sub. I had the cash that Darby had given me, but to use it would undoubtedly bring tremendous attention, and eventually... I would need to explain where it came from. So I waited for a few days. I hung around bus stops, shivering in the cold, unsure of what to do. Spend the money on food, shelter, a plane ticket home, and then be forced to explain where it came from? Or live in the cold, dark isolation of Alaskan winter, my own personal fortress of solitude? I eventually caved. I went to the airport to purchase a ticket, purchased some food while I waited for my flight. I hoped to use the money to bribe my way onto the plane. A naive plan, I know, and one that of course led me to this cell. I thought perhaps it would take longer for them to track the marked bills I used, but in the end, I suppose I was fooling myself. I told them nothing at first, only that I needed to write you this letter. But unless I offer up an explanation, I won't be allowed to return home not without any ID or at least a convincing story. My captors know I am not D.B. Cooper, but they're also aware I know something, and they want that information. If I give it to them, Darby is done and I am free. But I rob the world of one more mystery. I become more like you, Leon. It's worse than solving a great riddle. I solve it for everyone whether they want me to or not. 
They are coming in to question me. I do not know if I'll see you again, but if I do, you'll know I told the truth. And if you don't, well, I'll be here, imprisoned in another man's mystery. Tell Nika I am sorry. And I'm sorry I could not tell her myself. With love, Dimitri. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Greater Boston relies on your support. You can contribute through our Patreon campaign and in the process get early access to new episodes, transcripts annotated with creator commentary, and even bonus audio, including Mallory on Film summing up the best and worst movies around in Mallory's unique opinion. This episode featured James Johnston as Dimitri Stamatis. Want to hear more James Johnston? Like video games? Check out the new Beautiful Games podcast in which James talks games with friends Jordan and Lexi. That's beautiful, V-I-E-W, Beautiful Games, on iTunes or any podcast app. Improvisation in D by Tate Peterson. Drums by Jim Johansson. Snowband by Adrian Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk Tiedi. Transcripts will be posted online at greaterbostonshow.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at InGreaterBoston. I always thought I could be a voice actor for... um. Toad from the Super Mario series. Oh no! <laughs> Hello! The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello! Maria Kennedy from Hero Trackers here to tell you about a special report we've been working on at Hero Track Media. With the help of my producer Shayna, we are going to reveal the life story of a mysterious hero that, as far as we can tell, has never been covered by a media outlet before. Subscribe to this podcast feed to learn more about this hero and the strange circumstances surrounding their life and career and how they might be connected to your favorite heroes. Coming soon from Hero Track Media, Vigil. Vigil, Season 1, an audio fiction superhero thriller in 10 parts from All In Productions. Featuring Haley Sanfilippo as Maria Kennedy and Adam Kudashat as Vigil. Subscribe or follow to make sure you're the first to know about Vigil. Vigil.